Throughout scriptures, you'll find the concept, this expression, the expression of this idea of being solely devoted, being solely focused. In the Psalms, you can hear the man who had been tempted by the things of this world. As he turns back to God, he says, whom do I have in heaven but you? And on earth, I desire nothing but you. And then later, another psalmist says, and he communicates this desire to be solely devoted. He says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. The idea of saying yes to God and then forsaking everything else because it's lesser and he is greater. Jeremiah the prophet, whom a lot of people call the weeping and wailing prophet, tells us God's words. And we find out that it's really God who's weeping. It's really God who's lamenting. And here's God's words. He says, but my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern just being a a hole in the ground covered with clay or, or cement that holds rainwater. Spring water would be a little better to drink. Jesus asked us, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Yet many did, many have, and many still do exchange their souls for worthless things. You know, God commands us that we're to worship him alone, telling us that his name is jealous and that he is a jealous God. You aren't going to see that name on a plaque somewhere of God. That's a name of God that we don't talk about too often. S-O-L-E. Soul, singular, only, above all else. In the New Testament, we're told of how the Lord is the one who is above all things, that he has been given the name above all names, and that one day, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When you look in Acts, the preaching of the apostles tells us that, that about this exclusiveness of Jesus' name, saying that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which men can be saved. And then Jesus himself He spoke of what solely belonged to him, the way to the Father, saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. And then we come to the idea of what is devoted when Jesus is our sole, single, only craving. What is it that we give? We're given an an explanation of what this full devotion looks like. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You get that? It's the idea that, that Jesus has us, and because he has us and he's bought us, we belong to him, and because we belong to him, We should live for him. That's our expression back to him. Well, I think this final verse is is an expression of soul craving I I ponder the most. It's the idea that if if Jesus is my soul singular craving, and I I, I give my whole life to him, I give him all of me. And this verse also explains to me that this is not a a have-to kind of thing for the kingdom, but it's a a get-to kind of thing for the kingdom. Like the parable of the treasure uh, in the field, and, and the pearl of great price that I spoke to you about a while back. The farmer and the merchant, they gave up all they had. And it was clearly about giving up the lesser for the greater. And they realized what was valuable. 
And they wanted it. They longed for it. And they would do anything for it. Their soul craving. But with this idea of giving all to my soul singular craving Jesus, I wonder how much is all? How much is it? And how do you do it? How do you give all? I mean, I've heard preachers, and you've probably heard them too, where they'll they'll ask you, have you given all to Jesus? Or they'll be clever and they'll say, have you put your all on the altar? And uh, and then we sing songs about all in, in churches. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, looking at this soul craving and giving all to Jesus, I'd I'd have to say one thing, and I'd I'd have to warn you. I have to warn you about this. It may be more expensive than we think. It may cost more than I like. When Jesus spoke to some people about the cost of following him in Luke 14, he told a man about a story about a man who was estimating the cost to build a tower. And and he estimated it so that he, he thought that he would be able to finish it. And if he couldn't estimate that, then he wasn't going to uh, approach the project. And then he told of a king who estimates if he could defend himself against an invading army. It was two stories about looking at the cost of following him. And then Jesus, he steps out of the storytelling mode and he asks this question about himself. And he says, in the same way, and he tells people, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. Well, wait a minute. Rewind. What did he just say? In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Whoa. You imagine we, we, we did an invitation right here to follow Jesus. And, and, and you came forward. And then me or, or somebody else said to you, okay, forsake everything you got. And then come back tomorrow and we'll talk about following Jesus. I mean, I don't know if that would go over so well. I'm not sure it would. I mean, does that story of the the rich young ruler ever bother you? That story where the rich young ruler, he was asking about eternal life. And then what did Jesus tell him? He tells him, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then then we'll talk about eternal life. You know, if we did something like that, it wouldn't go over too well, would it? I mean, people would say, you forgot the whole gospel plan of salvation. And you started quoting Jesus. I mean, does it bother you when you read or hear about the calling of Peter and John? I mean, they're fishermen and, and, and they, they heard Jesus say, come follow me. And they just got up. They left their father and, and the mending of nets. They left their business. They left their homes and they left their families to follow Jesus. Now we know that, that Peter and John had, had heard we, from other, other gospel accounts that they had heard them beforehand, probably this moment. But then there's Matthew. And we don't have that, that kind of guarantee on him. And, he, and Jesus came by and said, come follow me. And he got up from his job, from his tax collecting table, left the money there and just walked off and started following Jesus. You know, if it were me being asked you know, or, or told, come follow me, I just might have a few questions like, where are we going? Or when will we be back? Uh, Does this pay anything? I mean, genuine questions. You know what? 
all to your soul craving might take you places you don't want to go. All might take you places you don't want to go. Remember Ananias and Sapphira in the first church in Acts? There's a little song that that kids learn about it. Ananias and Sapphira got together to conspire a plot to cheat the church and get ahead. They knew God's power, did not fear it, tried to cheat the Holy Spirit. Peter prophesied it and they both dropped dead. God loves a cheerful giver. Give it all you got. He loves to see you laughing when you're in an awful spot. So if, uh, how's it go? When, when, if you're up against the odds and you don't know what to do, praise God. It's a wonderful thing to do. Something like that. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a really morbid song to sing to kids. You know, I'm not sure why we do that. You know, if you don't give, God's going to kill you. I mean, what are we teaching our kids? It's kind of crazy. But, you know, the, the church isn't the only one guilty of teaching, you know, weird songs like that or rhymes. I mean, you know, look at Jack Sprack could eat no fat and his wife could eat no lean. I mean, what are we teaching about there? Anorexia and bulimia to our kids? Or, you know, and, and, you know, and then there's Jack Be Nimble, Jack Be Quick, jump, Jack Jumbo, the candlestick. I mean, teach your kids to play with fire, okay? And then, you know, rub-a-dub, three-minute tub. I don't even know what that is about. <laughs> That's a little weird. No, but, but really, I mean, the song kind of gets it wrong. It wasn't so much about the giving that was this problem. It was lying that was the problem, you know? But I'm still thinking about making it as an offering song next week. Uh, but there was something said about the church in Acts and that church that Ananias and Sapphira were a part of that's not said about many churches today. And this is the little phrase that says about that church. Nobody had any needs. Nobody had any needs. You know, sometimes people in this, in this church, in this first church, they would sell some property and then bring the money to be shared among those who had needs. And, and well, Ananias and Sapphira, they kind of got caught up in what was going on. And so they also sold a piece of property. And there was nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with selling a piece of property. And, and then with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money and then gave the rest of the church. And there was nothing wrong with that. But here is where it went wrong. Peter asked him, is this all the money from the property? Yes. Are you sure that it's all the money? Yeah. And then Peter said, you haven't lied to the church. You've lied to God. And then Ananias dropped dead. And then Sapphira comes in later. And I always wonder why she came in later. You know, what was up with that? Was she, was she out fixing her hair? Was she getting a new dress? Or did she, you know, say to her husband, Ananias, you go in before me, give the money, and then I'll come in. And then when I come in, maybe the ladies will ask me to be a part of the, the women's circle. I'll be, I'll be the president of the group. You know, well, I, I don't know what, why, why she came in later, but she did. And she made an entrance. And, and then, you know, Peter immediately just asked her. And he says, hey, is this the price that you and your husband got for the land that you sold? And she says, yes. Are, are you sure that's the full amount? Yeah. And then she dropped dead. And you know what it says about it? After, it's another one of those typical understatements in the Bible. It says, great fear sees the church and all who happen to hear about this. <laughs> you know? Can you imagine someone asking, how's the revival meeting going? Ah, oh, good, we've only had two die. <laughs> it's, that's kind of crazy, but, but here's the deal with this particular situation in, in that lying was claiming something that you didn't have. 
See, honesty was to not claim what we, what we didn't have or not claim what we, we, we don't or haven't done. So from these, these thoughts in Scripture, and, and uh, I, you know, I'm starting to develop this answer to this question of, of how much is all and how do I give it? And, and I think that there's this initial all that we give in the beginning. And then I think there's this uh, all that comes after that. And I'll talk more about that a little later. But reflect on all. A-L-L. All. Everything. I mean, it's, it's what you're giving to God. You're standing before him. It's the act of the human will before your maker, your gift to him. Juan Carlos Ortiz tells the story of a man before God who, who desires the kingdom of God, desires to be with him, his Lord, and he desires that pearl of great price and, and wants to do whatever it takes to obtain it. And he tells this story about God and this man having a conversation. And, and so God asks the man, he says, well, what do you got? And the man says, well, I, you know, I think I got $25 here in my wallet. And then God says, well, you got any more? Well, yeah, you know, I, I think I got in my checkbook here, I, you know, I got 200 bucks. Okay, well, I'll take that. You got any more? And the man says, well, yeah, you know, I, I got a savings account. I think I got about 400 bucks there. Well, I'll take that too. And then the man replies, but God, well, how am I going to put any gas in my car? Then God replies, oh, you have a car? <laughs> you know what? Go ahead and sign that over to me. Well, but God, but then I'll have to drive my truck. Oh, you got a truck too? <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and uh, give me the title of that too. And then, and then the guy says, but how am I going to get home? Oh, you got a house. All right, go ahead and sign the deed over to me. And then the man says, but what about my furniture and all my belongings and the utensils and the TV? And I says, guess what? I'll take that too. And then the man says, but Lord, what about my family? He says, them too. I'll take them. And then the man just, you know, exasperation says, but God, all I have now is just the clothes on my back. God looks, I'll take those too. That was everything. It was everything the man could say was his or mine. And God took it. He said, I'll take that. It belongs to me. And then God says to the man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give this all back to you to manage for me. But there's two things I want you to never, ever forget. Don't ever forget who this really belongs to. And two, remember, I can have this back at any time. That was a story I needed to hear this week. Look, you know, I, I believe in what we know as the gospel plan of salvation. I believe a person must have total trust and believe with all their heart in Jesus. I believe that we must repent of our sins. I believe a person has to confess Jesus as Lord. I believe that a person has to be willing to be buried in Christian baptism and, and the beauty in it. And it all has to do with death. And, and like death and committal of a body, you get rid of it. You don't hang on to it. But you see, it's not just what Jesus does with our soul and sins. And, and just what he does with the inner man. The Lord also cares about the outer man and what goes on with the outer man, what he rides in, what he eats in, what he sleeps on, what he walks on, what he does, what he plants, waters, reaps. Jesus is concerned about the whole thing and absolutely giving everything to God. It's just a little more than coming forward and letting Jesus take your sin. 
We're talking about your whole life, all of you, your house, your clothes, your money, your family, everything. Did Jesus buy us with the price of his blood? Does he really own us? Do we really belong to him? You know, we got ownership all screwed up. That's the problem. We got ownership all screwed up. We think we own stuff we have no business trying to own. 21 years ago, on May 31st, 1987, there was a moment where someone preached a message like this to me. And I was 18 years old. And uh, my wife was there. She wasn't my wife yet. But we heard this speaker. And we went back to a private place, got down on our knees. And we prayed. And I marked it. I marked down that day as a stake in the ground. And we said, God... We're not going to live for things and stuff. That's on, all on the line of eternity. We're not going to live for those little dots in life. We're going to live for the eternal things. And Lord, you have all of it. Everything that we have belongs to you. You gave it to us anyway. We can't even claim ownership. You own it all. It belongs to you. We're just managing. And on that day, I put stuff and things down at the feet of Jesus. And I quit owning And I began just managing instead. You know what? It's really so much better to manage than to own. You know, sometimes you just might want to walk around your place and kind of pray like I did once again this week as I was reminded of all this, saying some things I needed to say again to the Lord. But you might might pray something like this. Lord, I give you this house. I'm just managing it. Lord, I, I give you... My car or cars, they belong to you. I'm just managing. And this money is yours. Again, I'm I'm just managing it for you. And then maybe while your children are sleeping in their beds, you might just pray over them. Lord, this family, I give these children to you. I'm just managing them for you. My wife, she belongs to you too. You know what, we, we just get this ownership thing messed up in our heads. You know, two ways I think we get it messed up. One is, is we start getting stingy. We start getting stingy because we think it's ours and we can't share it. You know, uh, you ever buy something and just so that you can loan it out to other people? I mean, that's an idea that some folks really just don't understand. You know, uh, the Pennison, Sue and Greg, Sue is our children's director. She was down here sharing just a moment ago. Uh, before they moved here, before they moved out here to help with the planning of this church, they bought a big 10-passenger van. And they only have three kids living at home. You don't need a big 10-passenger van for three kids. So why did they do that? Because they are going to share it with people. They knew that they were going to be involved in ministry and they wanted the, the children and the youth to be able to have a way to get places where they needed to go. You know, they view it as the Lord's van. It's bought with the Lord's money. You know, years back, uh, there was a youth conference in Georgia, and I heard about a youth group in East Tennessee that was trying to travel and get there. And the way they got there was borrowing a bus from a church in Georgia. And so a couple of people drove down, got the bus in Georgia, drove back to Tennessee, loaded up the kids, went back to Georgia to the conference, and then drove back to Tennessee, dropped the kids off at home, and then they did the whole thing again, taking the bus back to the people it belonged to in Georgia. You know why they did all that? Why they went on to that trouble? It wasn't because there were no church buses in East Tennessee. It's because the churches in East Tennessee said, 
This is our bus. It belongs to our people. You know, our second problem in this whole messed up ownership thing, we can't seem to lose things. We can't seem to, be, to let go of them. You know, we get all bent out of shape. You know, we lose money in the start, stock market, and then we get upset because we, we think it's our money. You know what? It's not your money. Never meant to be yours. It was meant to be his money. You know, a car gets banged up and we get all torn up about it. You know, it's not meant to be your car. It was meant to be his car. You know, and then, and then when it comes to people, you know, it's real hard to lose people, isn't it? And I'm sympathetic to that. You know, we just had one of our staff members lose, lose a family member. And that tears you up. Tears you up. Death tears you up. Because we thought those people were ours. But you know what? They were never ours. They always belonged to God. And we were just stewards for a little while. You know, we, we just need to quit owning things. You know, if, if we gave all to Jesus, if it's God's thing, if it's his responsibility, and if you lose it, you lost God's thing. You know, if you stole it, you stole God's thing. You won't answer to me, you'll answer to God. And what God has, he can take care of, can he? You know what happens when you live like this? A whole lot of worry goes right out of your life. And it feels really good. You know what? Every now and then, I get weak, like I did earlier, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was feeling pretty weak about things. But you know what? I just have to remind myself, it's not mine. This church is not mine. It's his church. It belongs to him. He's building it. It's not my staff. It's his staff. I remind myself of that because I've given everything. All of it. All of it belongs to him. The whole kit and caboodle belongs to him. Solely his, only him, all to Jesus, fully devoted, wholehearted commitment. You know what? It's like jumping into the middle of a cool river. You know what? It may not sound like a good idea at first, but you jump out there and you, it's kind of a shock to your body, but you get in there and it starts feeling good. And you feel that sun coming down you and you're swimming on top of the water out there in the middle of the, of the current where it's strong and deep and the steam's coming off your body and you're going, wow, this is starting to feel good. This feels great. And you see your buddies and your friends along the shoreline and you say, come on in. It feels great. It feels good. And they're, they're standing there going, away. You're crazy. I'm not going to get in that water. It's cold. You're just making, making that up. You're just trying to get me in there. You're pretending like it feels good. That's, that's what sometimes we think. And, and, and sometimes maybe you'll, you'll convince somebody or, or maybe you'll convince yourself and you'll go, okay, I'll try it. And you, and you, you step down into the, the side of the river. Oh, and it feels so cold. And oh, and you stand there and you shiver. And, and then some smart aleck comes up to you and splashes water on you. And that'd probably be me. But, but you know what? Sometimes we just want to cling to the rocks and the branches along the side of the river. And we, just want, we don't want to go out into the deep. We don't want to go where it's really going to feel good. But you know what? It's nice out there. You know, the current can carry you. You don't have to stroke as hard when you're out there. You know, Samuel Shoemaker, a writer, compared the Christian life to a flowing river. And he said, there will be no swimming for those who only wade. There will be no enjoying of the full stream of the Christian experience to those who continually cling to the rocks and branches along the shore. So what I'm calling you to here 
if you've never done it before, is to plunge in. Just to jump in all the way. In over your head. In a big way. Making a big commitment. Giving yourself and everything connected to you. Giving it to God. To be solely His. See, no small print in your contract. No escape clauses. No ifs, maybes, and buts in it. No peeking through the keyhole or slipping money underneath the door. I'm talking about flinging the door wide open and walking right through. Saying, all of me. All. Solely belong to you. All to you, Lord. You know what? All of us need a time in our lives in which we say for sure, without any reservation, as completely and as entirely as you can say it, I gave myself to God. I gave myself to Him. And if you haven't done that, I think you need to. I think the Bible tells you to do that. And you need to do something about it. You need to do what you do. And I don't care if it's you write something in your diary, or you drive a stake in the ground, or you publicly confess your faith in Jesus Christ, or you go get baptized. Whatever it is, you just need to do it. Some of you already know what it is. For others of us, for other of us here, there's already been that moment. You've already jumped in. You've plunged in. You know exactly when you gave all to Jesus. But it's kind of like the man who gave a book to his friend. He had a friend that, that really liked a certain book that was on a shelf. And he said, you know what, I'm just going to give it to my friend and let him have it. And wrote a little something nice in the cover, gave it to him. And his friend took off with it. Oh, thank you so much. I love this book. So glad you gave it to me. Went home. And he set it down and he didn't touch it for a few weeks. And then... Uh, this friend got a package from this man. And he opens up the package and, and he reads the letter. And, and, and the man says that uh, while he was rearranging his shelves, he found some leaves that had fallen out of the book. And he said, you know, since I gave you this book, I wanted you to have these as well. You know, some of us have given ourselves to Jesus as best as we know how. And later we discover that we're, there's some missing parts of our lives that we actually didn't give, kind of fell out, lost behind the shelf. And all we need to say, all we need to say is, I meant for you to have it all, Jesus. So here it is. Take it, Lord. Here's the rest. And that may be what some of you just need to do. That's all. Giving all. That's how we can do it. You know what? I know also there might be a few of you here who just don't see the wonder of diving into the deep and just going headfirst in with God. And from where you stand and what you see of the Christian life, it just doesn't seem like much of a treasure in a field or a pearl of great price. Well, I just want to remind you that, that there's a principle of this world. It's not a heavenly principle, but it's a principle of this world. And it says this, there's nothing worse seeing that's for free. And anything good is going to cost you something. And it could be that you don't see much in the Christian life or the Christian experience because you're being cheap with it. You're standing over here on the edge, hanging on to the rocks and the branches, and you're just miserable. And so you're just looking out there going, I don't see anything to it. In fact, I want to get out. And I just want to say, if you're being cheap, it's not the way to go. You'll never find out that way. You've got to give all. You've got to throw yourself in. So to everyone here, it's probably what would be best for us to say to the Lord. This is probably what would be best. And, and Nate, you can come on up on now with the guys. Come, Lord, just, just take everything. All of me. 
I give you absolutely everything to you. I want to be solely yours. You are my sole singular craving. You know, there's, a, there's an old song. Um, some of you have been around a while might, might have heard it. But maybe we just need to sing it every once in a while to the Lord. And it goes like this. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I got. Everything I am. Everything I'm not. I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. And maybe that's just a little song you can keep in your head. And maybe you can sing that to the Lord sometime today. But right now, the bands, they're going to sing a song. And if there's something you need to say to the Lord right now, and you want to express it outwardly, say yes, all of me. You can just come up here. You can kneel down. You can pray. Um, I'm going to be over here if you'd like to talk with me. How you can start and say, okay, I want to dive in. I've never done it before. I want to jump in. And if, you're, and if that's the case... I'd be glad to, to grab your hand and, and, and jump, help you jump right in with Jesus. So the guys are going to play. Lord, right now, I pray that these things could be what's truly upon our hearts and what we'd truly be able to say to you, to give ourselves completely to you. In Jesus' name.